Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for this day, oh God. Lord, thank you for making today the day of the Lord. Lord, I pray, oh Lord, that you'll open our hearts to receive what you have for us to hear today, oh God. Lord, I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Today I'm going to be teaching out of Matthew 22, and uh, it's a very commonly known scripture, the parable of the banquet, and so I'm going to go ahead and read the passage of scripture, and then as we, as I go through the lesson, I want to, I'll point out some verses here and there, but Matthew 22, verse 1, and Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son. And sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth another servant, saying, Tell, me, tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatling are killed, and all things are ready, come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them, slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth and sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both good and bad, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see, see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. He said unto, unto him, Friend, how comest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. So it was very customary for a king to prepare and host a great wedding for his son. Many friends and families was on the list. Presuming, of course, everyone who got an invitation would come, the king began to arrange and accommodate for those he invited. However, as we read, we see where the king sent his servants to the honored guests to let them know the food was being prepared and the banquet would soon begin. However, the servants returned with a report, of course, as the king he wasn't expecting, and I'm not sure any of us would, a report that all the guests declined the invitation. Could you imagine the shock the king must have felt when hearing the guest decline? I mean, think back to your wedding day. What if you walked through those doors and the chairs was empty? I couldn't imagine myself. I know we didn't have a large wedding, but just to walk in, oh, wow. I mean, I, it just, what was the point at that point? <laughs> but 
everyone, if the king felt the same way. So he told his servants to go out again, tell everyone that he has prepared the best. My goodness, he had Sister Brit's Fiesta corn coming out on the table as he was telling them to come. And don't forget Pastor's Filet. Oh, my goodness, we can't, we, we got to be there. The feast is ready. Again, in shocked, the guests refused. And as we read, there were some that just pushed them away. But, of course, then there were some who even killed the servants. So in verse 7, we see where the king was furious, and he sent his army to destroy those that killed his servants. But, oh, how blessed we are to live under the umbrella of God's grace. We all know that the person or two, we all know a person or two who has rejected God's invitation time and time again. However, one day there will be judgment on those who rejected God's call. Every one of us will be held responsible for every act and every word against God. But on, on that day, God will pull out his Lamb's book of life, as mentioned in Revelations 20 and 15. And those who had rejected him, their names will be missing. But I, I declare today that I will be sure to accept every invitation that God has for me. To God's great disappointment when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, it caused division between them. God wanted that relationship back. I mean, imagine, I mean, if I was, if I was Adam and the Lord came and walked with me in the cool of the day, my goodness, I, I would never want to lose that. But, of course, it caused division between them. And, God, like I said, God wanted that relationship back. His purpose, the purpose of his life and death on earth was to be able to bridge that gap between him and his beloved creation. In 1 Timothy 3.16, God mentions, or it mentions how God robes himself in flesh, and he came to this earth to be the perfect lamb to be slain for our sins. When we fall in love with God, we gladly accept his invitation that he extends to us. But let's take a look at the second invitation. The king looked around at the banquet as he's seen all the empty seats, and he said, I want more. So that's when he went to the other guest, and he bid them to go find anyone and everyone, anyone who was hungry, anyone who would want to attend. God wants all of us. God wants all who comes in contact with him to commune with him. Sadly, we see many who have turned their backs on God and walked away from his invitation time and time again. God has given us free will and a choice to choose whether or not to accept that invitation he gives. He doesn't force us to come. He doesn't force us to love him. And I'm so thankful for that, that he gives me a choice to be able to love him, even when times are tough. But the king gathered his servants to get and sent them to bring anyone and everyone, the hungriest, the poorest, no matter of their state. It brought me back to Brother Cordova's message the other week where the field is ready. And we, we need to go to the field. We need to get them. But it also took me back to last week as I was teaching upstairs about the parable of uh, the net, where it, was, where it said, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a net that when you cast, and it said that you bring all in. And so God's not worried about the good or bad fish. It's his job to sort it later, and we shouldn't be worried about sorting it either. We just bring them in and let God deal with them and their salvation. And to the king's pleasure, when the servants returned, oh my, what a, what a crowd, a large, hungry group of people who, who accepted 
the invitation to come. His word tells us in Luke 15, 10, that there is rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents. I'm not sure the exact number of how many people came into the banquet hall that day, but my goodness, if heaven rejoices over one, I just imagine the sound, that roaring sound of three or four or 20 or 50. What a sound it could be. It makes me feel like the sound of a Russian mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. But our churches may not be filled with millionaires or politicians or the highest in society, but every church is filled with sinners, just like me and you once were. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, Paul addressed the church of Corinth about the prejudice issues against an undesirable people. He set their spirit of condemnation straight by reminding them, such were some of you. And it says in verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of them with mankind. <coughs> nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. We may not fill today's society, society's clubs. We may not fit in with the mundanes of the world, but each one of us fits in in the kingdom of God. We know we are all once we know we were all once sinners who has been saved by this amazing grace of Jesus. Oh how thankful I am that God is not a respecter of persons because he looked at me and said, "You may be a trash fish now." And I may need to preface that. We were talking about last week about catching fish, and sometimes when you're fishing with a fishing rod, you're only fishing for one fish. I used to fish in Calhoun's fishing team and we bass fished. Oh, I hated catching a catfish. My goodness, it felt like a 10-pound bass, but oh my goodness, when they got up, I'm like, oh, just a stupid catfish. So that kind of prefaces the, the trash fish. But I was a trash fish at a time, but oh, how the mercy of God. He looked down and said, I know one day you're not going to be a trash fish. You're not going to go and be a bottom feeder, but instead you're going to be the one that I want to catch. And so he did. <coughs> So he chooses you and me no matter as unworthy as we were or as we feel. But as we go back to the parable, as the king entered the receiving hall where the guest was waiting, he offered them a wedding garment. It was very custom when coming to dine with the king that he would provide a garment to wear in exchange for ones you come in with. <coughs> the Jewish audience was very curious curious as how unworthy guests could be with the king. Because it was very uncommon for commoners to sit at the king's table, but how Jesus was using this parable to introduce his ultimate plan of salvation for all who was lost, not only for just the Jewish, but for me and you and for anyone who is lost, because it is not his will that any men should perish but that every one of us have everlasting life. We are, blessed to, we are blessed to be counted among the royalties of heaven, 
The King of Kings invites us to be his friends. In John 15, 15, he no longer calls us servants, but he calls us his friends. And I'm very thankful that Jesus, when he, whenever he was on this earth, he sat with sinners. He dined with sinners. And he wasn't just pushing us off to the side how sometimes I feel like I can. Thank you. Sorry, guys. It's amazing how dry your mouth can get when you're nervous. I hope it wasn't that noticeable. Where am I at? I'm sorry. In the realm of God's holiness, oh yeah, that's so much better. No one is truly worthy. We are all undeserving sinners who have been washed, saved, and sanctified by the redemption power of his righteousness. We are made worthy by his blood. There's no other blood that can purify us than his blood. I'm so thankful for the cross because so much more happened than just him dying for our sins. His blood covers us now. His blood will cover us until he returns. His blood is, will purify us until the end of the earth. We see in the closing of this parable. Oh, my. I'm sorry. I went real quick. <laughs> we see in the closing of this parable that there was a man who the king noticed didn't have on the wedding garment. The king asked him, why did he not have a wedding garment on? And we see that there was no response. Why didn't he want to give up his old garment? You know, if I was going to the king's palace and he's, he's giving us free stuff, I mean, yeah, let's go. Why not? But as I mentioned, it was very, it was custom for the king to do this. But why? Oh, I, I read that. My bad. So I had done a little research the other day, and uh, I found out that when, when going to gatherings and, and banquets like this, it was, it was custom for one another to trade out garments. But it wasn't just only a trading of garments that was the, the key here, but it, but it was a covenant for each other, for unity and protection. They protected each other. So why not allow the trading of the garment in this parable for the king to protect you and to be unified with him. Garments you wore in most cases identified who you were in society, what material it consisted of, and color and more. So your garment, like I said, defined you. It could have showed your occupation, whether you were a commoner or wealthy, a priest, whether you were sick or had a disease. What I mean by that, when, when we enter into the king's palace with our old dirty rags, old dirty rags of a garment, we come before the throne of God with garments of guilt, garments of shame, garments of regret for the things we've done in our past, the things we've said in our past. But when we come before God, he has his hand stretched out with a new garment for us. We take off the old and we put on Christ. The Bible said that we are new creatures in Christ in 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. No matter how long we wore our shame, no matter how long we wore our guilt, no matter how long our addiction or what we were facing, he has a garment for us. We are no longer identified by that past, but we are now identified by our future. God clothes us in, our, in his righteousness so we can enter into his kingdom. God transforms us through his grace, and he gives us a space of grace for us to get it right. Lord knows I needed that many of times. 
When God makes us a new creature, we cannot live in our past anymore. The man who refused the beautiful garment was like the person who refused God's grace. He was stuck in his past. He was stuck in the mud. He was stuck in his shame. I've been there, and I'm sure each one of you have been at one point in time. He could have been stuck in unforgiveness, bitterness, shame, unbelief that God could change him. I know I faced that at a time where I failed and failed time and time and time again. And I questioned God, and I said, can I, can I be healed? Can I, can I not have this addiction? Can I even walk a day without the pain and suffering of having to be bound by something? Never thought I could, but however, Paul teaches us, what shall we say then in Romans 6? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? When God transforms us, we are new creation. We are new creature. We are a new creation. We who once were dead and now alive again. Because we are not of this world, John 15, 19 says, If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. When Jesus rose from that grave, he did not go back to the grave. Even so, we should move forward and walk within, walk in the new life he has promised for us. The world pulls on us to conform to its agendas, to conform to its ways. But, and we, we learn very fast that we can never measure up to the world. Even if we tried, the moment we think we aligned up to it, there's something new. There's something different. So there's, there would be that ongoing journey to be like the world. But God offers us transformation, but we must draw to him. Because as we draw closer to him, he draws closer to, closer to us and begins to change us for the good. We decrease as he increases, and one day others no longer sees us as we were. They don't see us in our shame. They don't see us in our guilt. And I'm sure there's many of us who have said, man, after years of being away from certain people or away a crowd I used to be around and hung out with, they, I, I ran into them in, in, in public and they said, man, what's changed about you? You don't, you don't look the same. You don't talk the same. You don't act the same. And it's God. You, you draw closer to him, so he draws closer to you. And when you draw closer to him, you become like him. But they, will, they see the reflection of that garment. What do you mean by the reflection of that garment? They see, as Galatians 3.27 says, we have put on Christ. So after we put on Christ, what does that put on mean? It means to be robed, to be clothed. So we put on that garment that Christ has for us, his name. We don't want our old garment back, or at least I don't. So, my goodness, a little longer than I thought, good deal. So in closing, Romans 12 and 20 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So as we go into this 11 o'clock service, as the Lord invites you, let us not ignore that invitation. But instead, as he offers that garment to you, receive it. 
It reminds me yesterday, I was hiking, me, uh, my wife, and Tucker, we took them on our first hike, and you know, you've seen them people with them backpacks, and they throw them kids in the back of it. Yeah, I was that dad. And I realized, my goodness, you throw the bag, the water pouch, the child, the diapers, you name it, I felt like I was carrying 40 pounds on my back. And as I was going up and down the hills and, you know, across the rocks, jumping here, jumping there, my knees began to hurt a little bit. My back began to hurt a little bit. And as I was walking through there, I just felt like the Lord spoke to me and he said, this is what it feels like to be weighted down with the shame and the guilt and the hurt. And you fill in the blank. And he told me to remember what it feels like when I when we got back to the vehicle. And I'll never forget, as I took that backpack off, I stood up and I felt like I was floating a little bit because I wasn't carrying that weight anymore. I wasn't carrying that shame, that garment of our past, of my past was off, so to say. And as I took it off, he had that one ready to go. And that's just what it made me remind me of with this lesson. But So as we go into the 11 o'clock service, let us be sensitive to Feel that drawing from the Lord. Let us feel that invitation. Like the Bible says, let, <coughs> let us not know. I believe there's a scripture. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to misquote it. But it's, he said, I, I knew not the time of his visitation. Let us not be in that place where, we, where he tries to visit us, but we're too distracted to notice. He's calling and he's drawing. But let us be sensitive to that call. But as we finish up and... And we have plenty of time to talk and fellowship, but let's, let's pray before we end. Uh, Lord, I thank you for the word you've given today, God. Lord, and I praise you, Jesus, for what you're going to do in this service to come. But, Lord, I pray, God, that you will come into our hearts, Lord, and come into our minds, Lord, and let us realize that you have a garment for us. Lord, you have a garment of praise that will trade out for our garment of heaviness. Lord, you have love. Lord, you have your grace and your mercy that you want to give us, Lord. But let us not be so stubborn and hold on to that past and that, and that shame and that guilt. But, Lord, let us give you that garment so you can give us you, God. You can give us your name. Lord, we thank you and we praise you, Lord, in the name of Jesus.